and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hey everyone, this is Mark Marble from the Lantern Cast, and we're gonna do, or as in me, uh, probably Rapid Fire is the game plan of a few quick movie reviews on some of the things that I've seen recently. Non-spoilery, just general thoughts. Most of what we're going to be talking about will be movies that we won't be talking about in the main show, which is why I'll do this, because Chad really doesn't have an interest in most of these movies. The one exception will be Black Widow, because at some point... Chad should be seeing Black Widow. Of course, if he doesn't see it soon, the point is going to be moot as far as doing an actual timely review, which is one of the reasons why I figured I would just give my general thoughts on Black Widow on this and maybe a little of the box office with Black Widow, and then we'll, and we can go into specifics whenever we do the episode, because we will do an episode, even if it turns out to just be a commentary track at some point. At least that's the one benefit of things being on HBO, excuse me, on Disney+, Plus, assuming... He still has access to Disney Plus at the time. That at least we could still technically do a commentary track just by streaming it as opposed to the way we normally have by popping in a, a disc. So I'm going to cover, I'm going to do in order of, in descending order, order of which I've seen them. So I'm going to do Escape Room, Tournament of Champions, Black Widow, and I think I'll just do F9 real quick. I was going to do The Conjuring, but just general thoughts on F9, which won't take particularly long either. So let's start with Escape Room Tournament of Champions. I just saw that a couple of days ago. That just came out this week as of, as, uh, as of the time of recording this review. Escape Room was one of the movies I was really looking forward to this year, or technically last year, since it was supposed to be a 2020 release. But I really, well, mostly because I really, really enjoyed the first one. And I like Taylor Russell. I think she's pretty, she has it. I think she's a very likable actress i think her character of zoe is really it's relatable but i think she's likable and i think and they made the decision in this franchise which makes sense to base basically go with a re, recurring protagonist which of course in many horror franchises they don't do which there's pros and cons we can debate whether that's always a good thing or a bad thing but i think they pretty much made the wise move of, of if it ain't broke don't fix it so they continued on with her, and I believe with Logan Miller, I believe, is Ben in the first and in this movie. So I really wanted to like this movie as much as I liked the first, but generally speaking, I would say I did not. I didn't find I didn't find the rooms, for the most part, as interesting as the first, except with the exception of the beach scene that you see in the trailers. That one I, I, that one I liked, but I still think most of the rooms that we saw in the first movie were better, and I think the first movie overall was better. At least two-thirds of that movie really, really works for me. I don't think it sticks to landing very well, 
but I thought the first two-thirds of the, of the original was really good. This, again, you care about the main characters. There is kind of a twist related to somebody who, who again, based on the first movie, you didn't wouldn't expect to see in this movie, but you do. But other than that, the problem with going with recurring characters and bringing back two characters from the last film is by the very nature of this concept, when you introduce new characters to join them, there isn't a whole lot of time to give background or to make you care. You do get background as much as possible, telling you who the, who these characters are and what, what they've gone through before to get to this point. But it's hard to have a lot invested in those characters. So I would say that is this that was that makes this a little step down for me from the first one. I would say clearly this sets up a third one, which is no great surprise. It's a it's a horror franchise. Once you get past the first movie, for sure, they pretty much all are made to just well to always keep in mind there's probably going to be another one. So you go out of your way as you start developing these things to to basically lay the breadcrumbs for where the next one will go, which is what usually horror franchises do these days i would give this a b i don't think it's a b plus i think it's probably a b if you like the first one you probably will like this one but again i think this movie is a letdown from the first and then i was really looking forward to it so maybe that influences my take on it a little bit too so let's move into black widow black widow is another one that i th- i find black widow to be disappointing on, on a few levels we knew it was a prequel. It's interesting exactly the time frame where this movie takes place in, which is, I'm not going to go into details now because we'll save that, even though, again, it don't, wouldn't truly be a spoiler review, but I'm, I mean, a spoiler, but I'm going to wait. So there's no miss, you know, no potential, hey, but there was a spoiler in there. No. But based on when this movie took place and, and with everything with, with Natasha, it's, it when you have a prequel like this, it basically gives you, you ask the question after the fact is, do I, did I really need to see that story or did I really need to know that? And if it works well, let's say like Rogue One did for the most part, then it's like, well, that's a story I never thought I really needed to see or hear. But now that I did, I'm glad. I don't necessarily think you would get that out of Black Widow. I think Black Widow, it does flesh out Natasha's character a little bit more. But at the end of the day, I think most people realize this movie really exists in the form, in the form that we got it just to expand the MCU and to give us a bunch of characters that we're going to see down the road or if they have the option of having us see these characters down the road. That it's world-building 101. And other than that, the actual story that we see on this on the screen really does not have major ramifications as far as if we didn't know it took, this ever happened, it wouldn't be a great shake in the MCU. I don't want to go into a lot of... That's about it. I, I don't want to go into more details about the plot of the movie. We'll save that to the spoiler review. So I think it's a B plus. It's a B plus. It's not. It's absolutely not one of the stronger MCU movies. Even one of the MCU quote-unquote origin movies. But you really can't... Technically, you can't call this an origin movie. Because the character's already established. We're just getting a solo story. It's not any more of a... It's not any more of an origin story than, let's say, uh, Captain America Winter Soldier was. It's just a solo adventure with a character we've already seen that has already been established. From a, from a box office perspective, Black Widow obviously is an interesting test case because it had a good but not great opening, especially if you leave out all the Disney Plus box office, that it did 80 plus, barely a little over 80 million, despite the fact that it had a really good preview show. Or preview showings on Thursday and Friday was about over 39 million when you added in the previews. 
so that it's still on trajectory on opening weekend for it to hit 100 million, but it didn't. It only did a little over 80 because it dropped a lot after the Friday, um, the initial surge on Friday, which to a large extent was because a lot of people went to go see it Thursday night. If you took out the box office, like the 13, a little over 13 million it did on Thursday, and just look at Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it essentially did $67 million in those three days. So it more or less was in the same ballpark all three of those days. The drop-off wouldn't have been that dramatic from Friday to Saturday if you took away the um, the preview money, the Thursday night preview money. But now, he, as we're as I'm recording this, it's the end of the second weekend, and Black Widow, the box office for that, fell or dropped like a blind roofer. So this movie went from like $80 million to where I think it's supposed to be like around 26 and it's going to get beaten seemingly decisively by Space Jam, which probably nobody saw coming. Even though I guess, I can't say we should have seen it coming. It's just the family movies have done really, really well in the pandemic, even before they reopened all the theaters or the majority of theaters in the U.S. That even when it was very limited theater going, family movies tended to do fairly, you know, fairly well. So maybe it's not surprising. The only thing really surprising, I guess, is the fact that it's on HBO Max. So if you have on HBO Max, you would not need to go to the theater to see this movie. So that's pretty... Which, again, Warner Brothers probably is kicking themselves in the you-know-what. Once again, this is probably another movie that if they had not boxed themselves into their release schedule of dual releases on the platform and in theaters, it probably would have made significantly more money considering what it did if people had to go see it in the theater. Even if it wasn't all in week one, they probably would have more... Maybe less of a drop in week two because people would go see it in week two. But but Black Widow is not going to have a big hold. It's not it has, As we speak, it is not opened in China, nor does it have a release date in China. So regardless of the $60 million that was reported that it made from Disney Plus money in its first weekend, at the end of the day, Black, you know, Black Widow is a movie that costs like around $200, $200 million to make. So without, especially without a big... Uh, influx of Chinese money at some point it's going to be really hard for Black Widow to truly make money maybe they'll be lucky and they'll break even maybe but it's going to be a, it's going to be a challenge so well so that'll be if so I'll give yeah I'll stick with a B plus for, for for Black Widow and let's wrap wrap it up with F9 now F9 now had the the bad thing about F9 from a, from a movie-going perspective was the fact that this movie definitely... It opened overseas first. So even though there still was a review embargo before it opened in the U.S., the general opinions of a lot of people were, were already out there. So the word of mouth on F9 was really, really bad before the movie opened, including by from people who generally were fans of the franchise. I'm not just talking critics who, for the most part, aren't going to like the, a movie like that. It's like going to a horror movie. You know, I mean, horror movies are pretty much bulletproof when it comes to reviewers because everybody expects people to give a negative review to a horror movie. The only time reviews matter for a horror movie is when one gets a surprisingly high score and that makes people think, hmm, if the critics actually like this, there might actually be something in it to go make it worthwhile to go see if you hadn't been so inclined. Since they seem to be like almost pre-programmed to not like horror movies and to, to always give it a, a negative score. But they're pretty much bulletproof just because a horror movie gets a bad Rotten Tomato score. It's not going to mean anything at the box office. Now, F9, among people who liked that franchise, really 
many people said, wow, you know, I like this. I was looking forward to this movie. But even for me, this movie kind of like, you know, jumped the proverbial shark. And I would say F9, in my opinion, that that's an accurate assessment. I think F9, I enjoyed, I think at this point I've seen all the, all the Fast and Furious movies from beginning to end with the possible exception of the fourth one. And I know I saw a big chunk of the fourth one, but I know I've seen all the others. And I've seen every one since five in the theater. By far, F9 was the worst. I didn't enjoy it. It was long. It seemed somewhat tedious. Even the jokes didn't really work. It wasn't that funny. I think you absolutely felt the lack of... You You missed Hobbs. You probably missed Hobbs and Shaw, but you absolutely missed uh, Hobbs as a character in, in the proper movie here. I So I think that was a... Regardless, you know, whether that was always the plan, regardless despite the problems with Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson, whether it was kind of always the plan that for this movie, the Hobbs wasn't going to be in it or it just kind of developed out of that along with shooting schedules for different things. But I think not having Hobbs and Shaw as active characters in, in the main movie, the main action of this movie is a problem. And I think that, I don't know if I would have saved it, but I think it would have helped. But I thought overall, yeah, F9 and John Cena didn't do it for me. Uh, too many we're getting too many of these characters that are bad characters that somehow end up being redeemed and either by revisionist history or just by it just seems like you can get redeemed at the drop of a hat now they haven't been doing that with the Charlize Theron character and I be considering where we are and when the franchise is supposed to end I kind of suspect what they're not going to but we see a lot of that that it's a little too easy to redeem characters who do who do bad or questionable things at least if you do the retcon of something, at least then it's like, oh, so you thought they did this, but they really didn't. But Fast and Furious, I think, suffers a little bit from that, too. I don't, I'm actually going to probably give that one like a, like a C plus, B minus C plus. It was very, very, very disappointing. I expected not to like it going in based on what I had heard. So it didn't surprise me. I was hoping that I would like it more. Sometimes you do that. It's like with, with your expectations low, you go in and it's like, yeah, maybe it's it surprised me. I wasn't expecting much, but I still enjoyed it. For F9, no. I think F9 definitely is probably the, is the worst one that I've seen, maybe, if not ever, certainly the worst one I've seen in the theater. And it definitely leaves a bad taste in my mouth heading into the final two. So hopefully they'll do something better with, with you know F10 whether it's technically 10 and 11 or a two-parter in F10. However, they supposedly wrap up the franchise, not counting future spinoffs. So I think that'll be it. Uh, I did like Conjuring, by the way. Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. I have no real background in the franchise. I have saw bits and pieces of the other ones, but not. that's all basically chemistry between but Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson. So I would recommend that. I'd probably give that one like a, like a B plus too. But that's going to be it. Uh, Snake Eyes... G.I. Joe Origins is on the agenda for this week, then Jungle Cruise, and then Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, I'm sure Chad and I will do an episode on because he has HBO Max, so that won't be a, that won't be a problem. But hopefully, we will be doing an episode on Black Widow before you know it, and that one will be full spoilers, and then we can give our thoughts on a lot of things that happen in the movie and the ramifications thereof and our general thoughts. So that's going to be it for now. So once again, this is Mark from the Lantern Cast, and I will talk to you guys later.